We are used to lots of things changing. We're used to lots of things being variable. Like as I look at uh, you lot this afternoon, I see variability in the way that we've dressed for the weather. Some of us have come with shorts on this afternoon. Some of us have come with woolly hats and multiple layers. And we are at that time of year, aren't we? As we just creep closer to winter and we're in the midst of autumn, that it is that strange time of year where our wardrobe is in flux. We don't know whether to wear T-shirts, two T-shirts, jumpers, no jumper, hoodies, wherever it is, raincoat, winter coat. I don't know, all sorts of different coats. There is a changeability and a variability in the weather and we dress appropriately to fit. I have a friend who, whenever he visits Liverpool in particular, um, he comments on the variability of our microclimate here in Liverpool. And he says, whenever I come to Liverpool, he has lots of different weather apps on his phone. And he just scrolls through the different apps to find one that says it's going to be sunny. Because they all say different things. And that's part of what it is to live here, part of certainly what it is to live in the UK, there's, there's a variable climate. There's a changeability in the season and in the weather. And as we come to Song of Solomon chapter 3, we see that same sort of variability. We see changeability in our relationships. This is a song or a collection of songs that is about a growing relationship between two characters. We're coming up to about midway through this song. And, and what we've seen, it, it is about two primary characters, a bride who is getting ready for her wedding and her husband-to-be. And we see in this, this idealised picture of, of mutual love and delight throughout the song so far. And we saw last week, didn't we, that, that, that God has ordained marriage to be the place in which we engage in, in that, that deep level of intimacy, physical intimacy with one another. And he has put boundaries around that, right boundaries for, for us to flourish in that area. We've seen that it is about human relationships and how we flourish in those relationships, but it is also about our divine relationship with Jesus. Jesus, who the Bible tells us is our ever faithful husband. We've seen already in chapter one how he delights over, over the church, his bride. We've seen how he pursues his bride, how he loves his bride, the church, unconditionally. And this song is written, like any good song, to draw us in. It wants to draw us in and, and it wants us to experience what, what the bride is experiencing or, or even sometimes what the husband is experiencing. It wants to draw us in. So we can share in their experiences, but ultimately the song wants to lift us up. It wants to lift us up to see how Jesus relates to us. And in this part of the song, we see an honest portrayal about the variability, the changeability in our relationships, both at a human level and in our relationship with Jesus. So let me pray. Uh, Sorry, read and then pray. Uh, Chapter three, I'm just going to read these first five verses. It's titled in our Bibles here, The Bride's Dream, and she is speaking. Verse one. On my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him who my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. 
I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through the words of your son, these words that we have this afternoon. We thank you that these are words inspired by him. And they aren't just words given to be spoken or to read or even to understand. These are words that you've given to change us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that these words are living and active, that they to us are sharper than any two-edged sword. And by your spirit, you, you desire to change us more and more into your likeness through your words. So we pray that you would do that for your glory and for our good. Amen. Amen. Well, in verse one, we, we find the bride searching. She's looking for her husband and the ESV kind of gives us a bit of a spoiler. It, it suggests that this is a dream that maybe she's uh, just laying on her bed and she's dreaming about her husband, but this dream takes, takes an unfortunate turn. She, she realizes that her husband isn't there. And it probably is a dream because this is before their wedding. So he wouldn't have been with her in the same bedroom before their wedding. So she's looking ahead and she's dreaming, or maybe more, more accurately, she's having a nightmare of what could happen once they're together, once they're married. And look at the repetition. I wonder if you picked it up. Remember, this is a song, and so it's written like a song. And we hear a repeated theme through these verses, a re- repeated theme of her searching for him. She's looking for him. She sought him out. And as she's searching for him, as she, she realizes that he's not there, there is a, there is a, a frustration or an, an anxiety or a franticness that she, she is going about trying to find the one that she loves. She, she knows that he is absent. She knows that he is distant. And if you were here last week in chapter two, this is a very different scene to what we heard last time. In chapter two, we, we really saw it was springtime in their relationship. We saw all these different pictures of, of the flowers blossoming, the birds singing, of new life, of, of, of the sun shining and warmth. This real picture of intimacy and togetherness and light. And in contrast, these verses here feel more like an autumn night. There's the distance There's the absence, there's the relative darkness compared to chapter two. Something in their relationship has changed. She feels the absence of the one that she loves. And folks, we feel that in our human relationships as well. All of our relationships, whether that's a spouse or whether it's a friend that we love, all of our close relationships go through seasons of closeness and seasons of distance. There are seasons in our relationships where we feel, we feel the strength of love, the, the, the affection, the, the commitment, the warmth of that relationship. There are seasons where we feel like that. And then there are seasons where it feels more like verse one and two and three, where it's cooler or cold, or we feel the absence of the love of the one that we love. And the song here reflects that, not as abnormal, but as a normal part of how we relate to each other. She looks for the one that she loves and she doesn't find him, or certainly not immediately. She recognises the absence of her husband. But she doesn't just sit there idly. She takes action. In her dreams, she gets up and she goes out 
And this would have been dangerous for her. And she's dreaming about it. But the, the, the prospect of a, a young woman, a single young woman going out in the dead of night would have been dangerous. But I think this shows us something about how much she longs to, to be with the one that she loves. Like she's willing to put herself in danger. She's willing to take risks to bring her love back. In verse 2, she goes out into the streets. She goes out into the town square. She's searching and she's looking. And we see this repeated line here. I will seek him whom my soul loves. And she's determined to find him. She isn't passive. She gets up and she goes out to seek her husband. And there's helpful wisdom here. Firstly, for marriages. There's helpful wisdom just to understand that romantic relationships that are one-dimensional or one-directional, where, where one of us is engaged and where one of us is moving towards the other and the other is passive and doesn't take any responsibility. Folks, those relationships are shallow and fragile. And it's not just marriages where that's true, whether it's a marriage or a, cro- a close relationship or a close friendship where one person isn't taking responsibility, that relationship won't flourish. If we're expecting the other person to take on all of the action, to take responsibility for that relationship, then it's not going to flourish. And so the wisdom for us here is, whether it's in a marriage, a husband towards a wife, a wife towards a husband, or within a friendship, be active in that relationship. Don't be passive. Don't just stand back and expect the other person to do all the work. Move towards the other person. Show them interest. One of the the most powerful ways that we can show that we're interested in someone is to listen to them. When they're talking, listen actively. Give them your time. And and maybe if you're in a relationship where there's a bit of a tension or or maybe there's just a bit of that distance, then then don't, don't wait for the other person to move towards you. Move towards them. Take the initiative. Step out first. The woman here in verse 2, she's not passive to the absence of the one that she loves. She looks, she searches, and immediately, at least, she doesn't find him. There's an intentional contrast in verse 3 there. She goes out to the night, and she doesn't find the one that she loves, but the watchmen find her. And so she asks them, have you seen him? Have you seen the one that my soul loves. And there's no reply from them. So we can assume that they haven't seen him either. She feels the absence of the one that she loves. She feels the distance. And that absence doesn't seem to be easily overcome. And folks, we can learn a lot from her determination not to give up. In our relationships, where it feels like there is distance, don't give up. Keep pursuing. Keep moving towards one another. Know that that specifically here in marriages, there will be seasons where it feels like spring, where it feels like what we saw last week in chapter two, where it feels like everything has grown, everything is blossoming. It will feel like in your marriage, there's fruit and there's, there's movement and there's momentum and there's light about your marriage. It will feel like that sometimes. And then folks, it will feel sometimes like this, like there's distance. It will feel like, The love that that once was so electric and so intense has just gone a little bit cold. The wisdom here is don't give up. Keep pursuing each other. And where you're finding that difficult, turn your frustrations to Jesus in prayer. The woman here isn't passive. She pursues the one that she loves. And then in verse four, finally she finds it. 
And when she finds him, just look down at me, uh, the passage with me. What does she do when she finds him? She takes hold of him and does not let him go. And then we see just the, the second part of verse four. There's just this, this desire for intimacy. It's almost as if her desires have grown. And she wants to take hold of him and bring him back. And then in verse five, we see this warning again that we saw last week. She's still not married. She knows that there is a time to come where, where that will be appropriate. And that time isn't, isn't there yet. So she reiterates this warning. Don't stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She knows what the boundaries are. And it seems that maybe in her dream, those passions have begun to, to be awakened. And so she draws out the boundaries again. There is a time and a place for those desires to be acted on. And it's not there for her yet. But the core of the message here, folks, we find in verse one to four, and it's this, there is a variability in their love, a changeability. There are days when it feels like spring and days when it feels like autumn. And there's application, there's helpful wisdom for us to glean there at a human level as we've just shared. But remember the real, real weight of the song here is found when we see how this relationship between the man and the woman points to our relationship with Jesus. That's where we find the, the, real, the real weight of, of this passage. And what we see is just in the same way there is variability in in our human relationships between either a husband and a wife or, or close friendships, just like there are days when it feels like spring and days when it feels like autumn, in the same way, there is variability in our felt experience of Christ. It is normal, normal to feel different intensities of Christ's love at different times in our life. It is normal normal for us to feel his distance at times and now let me just be clear like christ's love will never depart from us we know that nothing can separate us from the love of christ he will not depart from us but there are times when we feel we feel a a kind of experiential distance we feel like the bride feels here that, that we're seeking him but we we can't find him. We, we're not enjoying that same level of intensity and love that maybe we felt on the day that we were saved. But folks, it's helpful to know that that is normal. A Christian life is not a constant mountaintop experience. It isn't. It's not that kind of, that ultimate climactic experience where the presence of Christ is always close and it's always intense. There will be times of felt absence in the Christian relationship. And in those times, there is a prompt to draw near to him. But it's normal to feel like that. And it's not just us who would feel like that. It was normal for for those in the Bible who who had a, a close relationship with Jesus. Like, listen to this from King David. Psalm 13, it'll be up on the screen here. King David says this, How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long will you hide your face from me? 
And actually, if you did a bit of a, a search in the Psalms for that line, hide your face from it, you'd see it pop up again and again. It feels like this is part of David's normal experience, that there are times in his life, and we know the Psalms of David. We know how he, how he feels the closeness of, of Christ. We know how he, how he has these moments of real intimacy with Jesus. Like, he's so close. Like, like we, we know that David is one who... who was a man after God's own heart? Like, was there ever a man who was closer to Christ? And yet sometimes, for him, it feels like the Lord has turned his face away. Even David felt distance at times. Folks, sometimes it feels like Jesus hides his face from us. Sometimes it will feel like there is distance. And that's true for different reasons we're going to see in chapter 5 in a few weeks' time. That often we feel that distance. We feel like, like our love towards Jesus has, has maybe grown a little bit cold. We feel like that because of sin. Because we have intentionally pushed Jesus away. Because we've turned our face away from him. We've rejected him. So there are moments in our lives where we feel that distance. We feel maybe an absence of his close, intimate presence because of our own sin. But that's not the only reason why. That's not the only reason why we will feel like that. See, there's nothing in Psalm 13 that suggests that David is feeling like he's feeling because he's done something wrong. Because he sinned. We see lots of occurrences of similar sorts of reflections for reasons other than sin. Here's another one in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32. In in 2 Chronicles 32, uh, we get uh, the account of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was uh, king of Judah and he was, um, by and large, a good king. He was a king who sought to lead Judah with righteousness, who sought to lead them on, on, on the path that was following the Lord. But he failed in some ways and God tested him. God wanted to see his heart and see if he really loved God wholeheartedly. King Hezekiah had lots of prosperity. He was successfully accumulated wealth and and made Judah to be a great nation. And the other nations are looking in. Babylon are looking in. And Babylon send a delegation to come and have a conversation with King Hezekiah and say, okay, how how have you done this? Like, why are you so successful? Why, Why have you got all this prosperity and wealth? And they bring this delegation to have this conversation. And then we read this in verse 31 of chapter 32. God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. God left him in order to test him. This is really important, folks. When we feel the felt absence of Christ or when we are getting along someone else who feels like that, who feels like their affections for Jesus have just gone a little bit cold, or they just feel like, like there isn't that intensity that, that they once had. When we're, when we're helping someone else out who's in that place, or when we feel that in our own hearts, like firstly, it is good and it is right to examine our hearts first, like before we do anything, to do that Psalm 139 step, to ask the Lord to search our hearts and to reveal any way that, that is in us that, that is a, a, a sinful. It's good to do that first. But if there isn't anything obvious, don't keep on looking. There are times, folks, when we will feel the distance of Jesus, not because of our sin, but because of testing, 
because he's searching our hearts, because he's strengthening our hearts, because he's helping us see how much we need him and how much we love him. You've heard um, that phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know that one? It's not in the Bible, so don't go quoting it and making t-shirts with that on it. But actually, it, it teaches us something that is helpful as we try and understand this tension that we feel. Like I've got a, um, a great idea for a Channel 5 documentary. We set up a camera at the arrivals lounge at an airport. And we just watch the interactions as they happen. And you'll get, you know, the normal guy just walk through and get on his way. And then we get the guy who's, you know, holding up a sign for Dave. And Dave goes and meets him and they go off to the taxi. But then you get the good ones, right? You get those, those relationships that have had distance. It might be grandparents who've never met their grandchild. And they see each other for the first time. And they have this long, warm embrace. Or a child who's been away on a gap year and their parents are there to collect them and they haven't seen each other all year. And they run towards each other and they, they hug and they cry and they start exchanging stories. Or, or a spouse who's been away on a business trip and they come back and their kids run up to them and they're all over them. And we see what the difference makes between Dave and, and these ones here, right? They've been away from each other. And in that period of, of, of the distance, in that period of the absence, actually their affections for each other have grown and they've strengthened and they've realized how much they love each other. There are times when we feel distance, folks, because God is working on our hearts. He has grown our love for him. He is staring our affections for him. What, like, what might this um, look like in these moments? Well, Closeness of Christ's presence, feeling distant. Well, it, it could be a, a test to see, are we going to only follow him when it feels good? Like when, when, when Jesus feels so close and when we have that, that warmth of his closeness, are we only going to follow him in those moments or will we keep choosing Christ even if it doesn't result in that ecstatic high? Or are we going to just obey Christ? It, if only we get that, that real buzz in the worship experience. Like, are we, are we only, going, only going to come to church, come to the gathering if the music's great? God bless you guys, it was today. But are we only going to come when it ticks all the boxes or are we going to keep coming even if we don't get that great worship experience? Are we still going to obey Christ when following his commandments leads to sadness and loss and grief and missing out on everything else that the world can enjoy? Because we're following him. There are times in our Christian life when the warmth of happiness, of the presence of Christ will feel distant and it, it might not necessarily be because of sin. The question is, what will we do when it does? What will we do when we do feel that distance? When we feel that maybe the Lord is, is allowing us to feel that distance, not because of sin, but because he is working on our hearts. What do we do? Well, look at the woman in the song. She isn't passive. She doesn't just sit and wait for it to, to be back like it was before. She gets up and she searches. She seeks, she looks, and she takes hold of the one that she loves. And we're invited to join with her, to search for Christ, to look for him. And when we eventually find him, to take hold of him and to desire him all the more. 
I think that's what you see in the second half of verse four. That separation has actually has really provoked an increase in desire for the one that she loves. Look at how she pursues him. I will seek him whom my soul loves. That's a powerful description. His soul loves him. That is a deep rooted rooted love. And if you're a believer, you have a deep love, a soul level love for Christ. That was given to you at your conversion. The Holy Spirit who is indwelling you is keeping that, that love for Christ within you. You have a soul level love for Christ. So if you feel the distance of Jesus, here's what I'd encourage you. Firstly, seek him. Seek him. Ask that the Spirit would stir your affections for Jesus and bring you back to that love. Ask the Spirit to do that. And take yourself to the places where you know that your affections are going to be stirred for Jesus. Take yourself into God's word. Take yourself into prayer. Take yourself into, into this place, the gathering of God's people. Put yourself with people who are going to stir your affections for Jesus. Who are going to help you seek him out. I know when I'm in this place, when I, when I feel that kind of autumn, that, that, that distance, that, that coldness. I know when I'm in that place, I know I need to be around specific people. Specific people who are going to point me to Jesus. So firstly, seek him. Secondly, look to him. Look to him. And specifically for us, at this point in human history, we look to the cross. When the presence of Christ feels distant, it is a good thing to put things in view that prompt your love for him. So think about Think about that businessman who's been away for a long time and he's away from his family. What does he do to to really prompt his love for his children or for his wife? Well, he gets open his phone and he looks at photos. He reminds himself of the people that he loves. And for us Christians, what is the powerful image that evokes our love for Jesus? What is that one image that really provokes a love in our heart for Jesus? It's the cross. As we look to the cross, we are reminded of Christ's love for us and our love for him. As we look to the cross, we remember his suffering. We look to the cross and remember Christ's suffering in in our place. It was the judgment he bore in our place for our sin. As we look to the cross, we see his love for us in his death on a cross. And we see his love for us in his victory in rising from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death for us. Put things in view that will provoke and evoke love towards Jesus again. Primarily put the cross in view. And as we look at it, remember his suffering and remember his victory. And then finally, we seek him, we look to him, and then we take hold of him. When we find him, when our affections for him are stirred again, we take hold of him and we don't let go. And often that means that as we take hold of Christ, we have to let go of something else. Like you can't fully embrace something and fully take hold of something if you're still holding on to other things. And folks, it might be like if you're, if you're experiencing just that coldness at the moment, it might even be that the Lord Jesus is drawing you back to himself so that you will let go of something else. That you are holding too tightly onto something. Family, friends, comfort, possession, work, 
Something that, that, is, that has become too much of a priority for you over him. So as you come and take hold of him, maybe that's also time to let go of something else. <coughs> Folks, seasons of distance are normal. But Jesus wants us to know his love. To know the, the warm closeness of his presence. So seek him. Look to him. And when we find him just like the woman here, we take hold of him and we do not let him go. Let's pray. Father, you love us. Some of us know that to be true today. We're convinced of that, but some of us need reminding. Some of us need to be convinced and taught again that you love us. So convince us, Father, remind us Remind us of the love that you've already shown us. Help us to see that love in and through your son. Who he is, all that he's done for us. Awake and stir our affections for you by your spirit. And Father, for those who are in that place at the moment, who feel like like it's a spiritual autumn where there's a, a coldness, where where the love towards your son is slow and it's labored. Help us to seek him again. And Jesus, in this moment, that's what we do. We look to you. As we take this meal in a moment specifically, we, we look to your cross. As we hold this bread and hold this cup, remind us of your suffering. Remind us of the judgment that you have taken for your people in their place for their sin. Remind us of the victory that you have won over death for us through your resurrection. Remind us of your love now through the abiding of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we want to take hold of our Savior again. So where there is distraction, where we are holding on to things that are preventing us from knowing his love, prompt our hearts and help us to let go convinces that Jesus is better, better than anything else that we're holding on to. And Jesus, you are the one that our souls love. We love you, so stare our affections for you all the more now, we pray for your glory.